0: listening to the First Christian Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. Here you will be able to listen to all of our Sunday morning sermons. Be sure to hit the subscribe or follow button so you don't miss a sermon. Enjoy today's message. The last three weeks we've been talking about living like you were dying. In fact, the question has been, what would you do if you knew that you only had 30 days to live. What would you do? Would you live like you were dying? The first week we talked about living passionately. Being present in the moment. Having those conversations. Surrounding yourself with those people. I challenged you to make a list of what would you do if you knew you only had a short time to live. Because the brevity of life can, can possibly give you clarity of life. And then last week we talked about loving completely. And that assumes that we can love incompletely. That we love God, we love man, and if we say we love God and don't love our fellow man, then we've got a problem. But if we love our fellow man, then we will love God. Today, we want to review the same scripture, our go-to passage that we've had for the last three weeks, and it's this. And I would like for you to stand. You've had a moment to sit, so I'd like for you to stand and read this verse with me. That way I'll know you're paying a little bit of attention, if you can. And this verse is Psalm ninety twelve, and let's read it together. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Let's say that again. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. You may be seated. The goal of this verse is to get a heart of wisdom, to realize the brevity of our lives. And the question was, is it wise? Not if it's right, not if it's wrong, not if I can get away with it, not if I can make some more money, but is it wise? And so this morning, I want to talk about the concept of Of leaving boldly. The title of my sermon this morning is to leave boldly. And that really answers the question, am I ready to leave? If I'm not listening to Christian music, do you know what kind of music I'm listening to? Country. You are absolutely right. I love country because of its intelligent lyrics and the story behind the song. Don't you? Songs like, I-, I miss you, baby, but my aim is getting better. Or, I am so miserable without you, it's like having you here. That's a good. How could you believe me when I said that I love you when you know I've been a liar all my life? And this is probably one of the all-time favorite country, country songs. You are the reason our kids are ugly. I'll give you a couple more. I'm sorry. Here. She ran off with my best friend, and I sure do miss him. And last but not least, her, her teeth were stained, but her heart was pure. Just a few. I, I, I sincerely do like country music, and I like Tim McGraw. And, and we've been playing that song, Live Like You Were Dying, because I think it encompasses the idea of what the Bible teaches us about numbering our days, having a heart of wisdom, but but the backstory of the song is that in two thousand four, when he wrote this song, he wrote it the day after his father died. And you might not realize this, but Tug McGraw was not a big part of Tim McGraw's life. He 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 was raised by a single mom. And he got to know his dad a little bit later in life. And his dad died of brain cancer in two thousand and four. But but listen to these lyrics. It says finally The husband that most of the time I wasn't, and I became a friend a friend would like to have. And all of a sudden, going fishing wasn't such an imposition. And I went three years, three times that year I lost my dad. Well, finally, I read the good book, and I took a good, long, hard look at what I would do if I could do it all again. And then the bridge to the song, it says, like tomorrow was the end. You've got eternity to think about. What would you do with it? What should you do with it? What can you do with it? What should I do with it? And then he goes into the course skydiving. I went rocky mountain climbing. I went 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu. Not encouraging that. I loved deeper, I spoke sweeter, and I gave forgiveness that I had been denying. And he said, someday I hope you get the chance to live like you were dying. And I pray that this series and being reminded of the brevity of our lives would cause us to live like you you were dying. That you would be prepared to leave boldly and leave a legacy. And I think... The most tender book in the New Testament that Paul writes is to Second Timothy to his son in, in his faith. It's a it's a father, spiritual father writing a son, mentoring him, sponsoring him, loving him, and reminding him. And if you look in second Timothy chapter four, verse six, Paul says, here's what he says, he says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. He says, I'm being poured out. Now, this was the least of the ways to show sacrifice to God. But he's not saying, I'm being sprinkled out. He says, I'm being poured completely out. All of him on the altar, all of him was being sacrificed. And the question this morning is this. Upon what altar are you being poured out? Where are you being poured out at this morning? In what part of your life for God? Or are you being poured out? The least of the sacrifices is what Paul was saying. But he says also in that verse, and if if you want to know more of the meaning of what the Bible says, you've got to study the words. And he says the word departure. He could have said... I'm dying. I've got a short time to live. They're they're going to execute me, which was highly probable. But he says, my time of departure. And I think that's a a great image. Earlier this year, I went on a cruise with my wife and my, my dad and mom. It was our 35th and their 60th anniversary. Didn't really want to go. It was an imposition. Didn't have the time, didn't have the money didn't want to go I said that you know I I I said to my dad I said dad I said this is not a good time I've got so many things going on he said well you know what Chris If, if we don't go now I may never go again and so I thought hmm and you know what he had a mini stroke a couple months later and I thought to myself I am so thankful that I took the time and so sometimes it's an imposition But at the same time, think about it. When he talks about departure, this is a beautiful image of setting sail, of anticipating a voyage or a cruise and going to a better place. That's what we're looking at here. This is what Paul's writing about, is departing. But there's something better. And then he goes on and he writes to the church at Philippi. In Philippians 2, or 1, 21 through 24, and he says, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better, but to, rem- to, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. So Paul is struggling. He says, for me, to die is to be with the Lord. But because of you, I choose to stay. You see, Paul anticipated his reward. He anticipated eternity. He anticipated being with Christ in heaven. And that brings me, how do you view death? Is it a mystery? Is it over and, and this is all there is? I had a good friend. He'd bought his plot, he'd bought his gravestone, he knew he was ill, and he, he, and he said, Chris, is this all there is? And I said, no. This is only the beginning of a." A life that is to come. It's going to be glorious. It's going to be beautiful. It's beyond our wildest imagination. And then he passed away. If you are here today and you are not following Jesus, then this world is the closest that you will get to heaven. Think about it. If you're not following Jesus today, this is as close as you get. This is as good as it gets. And I think we're blessed. I think we're loved. I think life, for me, has been pretty good. But not everybody's life is like that. But if you're not following Jesus, this is as close as you get. But now, if you are following Jesus, then this world is as close as you will get to hell now that 's probably a foreign concept i don 't preach a lot about hell, and hell 's not talked about a lot, but think about that. if this is as good as it gets on earth and we 've had a pretty good life, it gets infinitely better eternity with God in heaven is infinitely better. Then the apostle Paul goes on. In 2 Timothy 4, 7, this is what he writes. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I was in college, and I had a good friend that had spent most of his adult life in prison. I've told you about him before. And he was teaching me to box. And he was te- teaching me how to block and stay in the fight. But, but he also taught me how to take a punch. It was not fun. It was not fun. Paul saying, "I fought. I've been knocked down. I've been in the ring. I've shed the blood. I've been bruised. I've been battered. At times, I was close to giving up, but I've continued fighting." And you've got to realize that in Paul's mind, if we told him that he only had thirty days to live, you'd have to realize that he would be thinking, really, I have that long? Because he was prepared to die at any time. He, he says in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, he says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, in Paul's mind, he was already dead. There was nothing that they could do to him. In that previous passage in Second Timothy, it talks about, I fought the fight, I finished the race. Now, How many of you guys are runners or have been runners in your life? Raise your hands. Well, there's a few. Not, not a lot. Running's not that popular, but believe it or not, there are two stages of running. There's a pleasure stage. I went out and ran three miles yesterday. It was perfect weather, a little little drizzly rain, and a little cool the kind of way I like it, and I ran three miles, and it was pleasurable. I enjoyed it. Life was good. It was like the sun shining, but it wasn't, and I was just running for pleasure, and you can do that, believe it or not. And and you can run 10, 12 miles if you're in shape, and you're not running fast, you're running slow. But but you can enjoy it, just to time out, outside. But there also is a pain stage of running. Typically, I only go into the pain stage if it's worth my while, and it's in a race. Now, the last really serious race I ran was a 5K. It was a, a July Firecracker 5K, YMCA. And I, I typically, I show up, and I'm a professional prayer. And so I go and I pray, but this time, this time I jumped into the front of the pack of the race, and I was feeling pretty good, pretty proud of myself, by the way, pretty proud. And and what always happens before what happens before the fall, pride does, doesn't it? Pride always happens before the fall. So I was pretty proud, of it, thinking I'm pretty good shape, I'm ready to go. And so, like a not very wise person, I take off like a rabbit, and I'm running like, I don't know, five, six, seven minute miles, going out of the Y, and then making the downhill on 59, and I'm thinking, man, I'm this is, you know, I'm feeling pretty good, I can't believe it, I'm running really, really fast for me. Then I start going back up the hill toward the park on 59, and I'm feeling it, and people are passing me, and I'm just, you know, I am at my anaerobic threshold like I'm ready to quit I am feeling the pain in my lungs and in my legs I'm thinking I don't even know if I can make it the next two miles because I've just ran like an idiot so I make it around and I ran an eight minute mile which is super fast for me and I I, my goal was to make some eight minute miles but if I would have ran wisely I could have made that easily and made the turn so I'm, I'm running through Forest Park and, and not really enjoying it, but hoping that I can you know, keep it up and not have too bad of a time because in my age group, it is very, very competitive around here. In fact, I choose not to race a lot of the time because it's so competitive. I mean, you get made fun of if you don't perform well. So I'm, I'm, I'm heading out of the park, and I'm going into the second mile, and lo and behold, guess who's behind me? our children's pastor, Karina. And she sees me and is just ready to beat me. Okay, I'm about ready to explode at that point. The heart is beating, I am sweating profusely, and I think I'm going to die. And I'm thinking about how can I approach her while I'm running out of breath and say, hey, can we negotiate a tie right here so I don't have a heart attack? And if you know Karina... That wasn't an option. She's super competitive. So I'm, I'm going down Pinkley, and we're making a turn into Edgewood, and thank God there was a water station there, and I grabbed two cups of water. I pour one on myself. I drink a little bit, and I'm thinking, whatever it takes, if it kills me, I'm going to win this race between Karina and I. And so she's running right with me. I mean, it is like, oh my gosh, it's all over. And we are going head to head, and, and we are down Jackson Street to Lambert and going up the hill. And I don't have hardly, I have nothing left. Okay? So, here we are, last hundred yards. I am, putting, I am running faster than I've ever ran in my life, hoping that I won't die. And Karina's right there. I am in total agony and pain. I get across the line, and I pull it out like a half a step. I beat her. Okay, I'm not proud of that, by the way. Here is a lady that ran a smart race that has 80% of the lung capacity I have, and I just barely beat her. It's It's not a reward. It's just I can live with that. I can live with myself. I hug the nearest telephone pole, I have dry heaves. My coward looks at me who's not here today, and he says, you know, that was pretty stupid. I thought you were going to die. And I say, you are completely 100% right. Running like that is excruciatingly painful. But you know, it's part of the race. If you give it your all. My question is, some of you aren't in the race. Something has happened to you. you you've had some people in your life that were hypocritical Christians. You, get, you, you were through a church split or, or jaded in church. God didn't do what you thought he should do in, in, in a situation in your life. And either you started and you stopped or you never got into the race. And I'm just going to tell you that the race is hard. Sometimes it's pleasurable, but other times it's it's excruciating and it's painful. And the only way we don't blow up is to rely completely on the Lord. And the question is, how are you running the race? How are you doing? Are you going to finish it? Howard Hendricks says there are 2,930 Different, identifiable people in the Bible. But do you know how many finished well? Only 100 out of the whole Bible. That's not a very good percentage. Then Paul concludes this, and he he makes a contrast between two individuals. And, 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 And it can be discouraging, but it can be encouraging. Look at verses 9 and 10 of this passage. Paul writes to Timothy, and he says, and, and Timothy's kind of the pastor of the Ephesus or church in Ephesus. He says, Do your best to come to me soon, for Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. What he's saying here is he's by himself. He's by himself. Now, we, we meet Demas in Philippians, and Paul. he's a fellow worker described by Paul. In Colossians, he, he, he says Demas was with him, but here we see a regression where Demas has deserted him. He's no longer in the fight. He's no longer in the race. Paul's been abandoned. And some of us are there. But then in verse 11, Paul says, well... He says, Luke alone is with me. So he wasn't completely by himself. He says, get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful for me in ministry, or useful to me for ministry. Now, if you remember the story of John Mark in the book of Acts, Mark was probably a nephew or a cousin to Barnabas, Paul's compadre in in mission work, and Mark abandoned him. And even at that point, after that was all over, Barnabas said, hey, we need to encourage Mark. Why don't we bring him with us? And Paul says no. And they had a sharp contention. They had a sharp dissension, and they split ways. But here Paul is inviting Mark back into the picture because he was useful for him. See, Paul, Mark regressed, but he turned back around. He came back into the fight. And so if you're in in that situation, maybe you're coming back to faith, reengaging in faith, just realize that God is going to welcome you back. And and this is where you ought to be. Paul, if you will, let's step back in that passage to verse 8. He says, I fought the fight, I finished the race. He says, Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. He says there's a crown of righteousness that I will be rewarded with. And you know what, what the saints do in heaven when they're there, and they go before the throne of God in worship, they throw those crowns down before the Lord as a sacrifice of worship to him. My grandmother, some of you knew, knew her, Mildred Gregg, lived here in Brazil all of my life on South 59. She was one of those grandmas that I knew I was loved. I think I told you the story about her buying me gizzards for dinner. I mean, grandma was grandma. I was glad that my kids knew my grandma, their great-grandma. She loved them, took care of them, and they say, you know, she was the grandma, the pick, or the number one grandma in their lives. And about eight to ten years before she passed away, we were at a critical point, and she was on a heart pump and we didn't know whether she would live or die. And we were pretty tore up. It was my dad and his sister, my aunt, and I. And we were talking to the doctor. And we were asking about quality of life. Because we knew if, if Grandma didn't have quality of life, if she couldn't go 100% and do what she liked, she wouldn't want to stick around. But, but they were too tore up. And so I had to ask, well, what are, what are her chances? He said, he said, there's really good chance for recovery here. She'll have a very good quality of life. And she went on cruises, and I can remember down in Florida on spring break, laying out uh, at Fort Myers Beach with my 80-year-old grandma and my kids. It was awesome. But then she broke a hip eight years later, but but she was ready. You see, she'd been coming to church and by her nightstand and and by her TV stand, there was a Bible. She'd been reading it every day. Her life had changed. She had regressed. There were issues in our family's life that had put her off away from God. But they'd been reconciled, and it was changed. And when she broke that hip and knew, knew it was time, she was ready, ready because she was going to be present with the Lord. She had made her peace with God, and she knew where she was going. Folks, we don't know if we have 30 days or not. But the question really is, is, where are you in the race? Are you ready? Are you running? Are you giving it all up for God? Would you please stand as I close in prayer? Father, we just are so thankful for the life you've given us, Father, we struggle in the race and in the fight. We don't like it when it's painful. We like it when it's pleasurable. And Father, we don't have a choice. We take it as it is, and we count on you to bring us through. And Father, I just pray for each individual here today that, 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 that they would be in the race, that they would fight the fight for their faith, and that they would finish well, and they would be ready. Father, I just pray that we will live in such a way that others will know. Passionately, lovingly, boldly, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you come this morning?